Let's Keep It Going, the podcast of Emmaus Church, where we sit down with Pastor Nick to have extended discussion over last week's message, in the hope that it inspires ideas in and around the Emmaus Church community. If you missed last week's message, have a question, or just want to know more about Emmaus Church, you can visit us at www.emmauschurchsc.com. Now, let's keep it going. Hi, Thomas. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, Nick. Hey, Lindsay. <laughs> Hi, Thomas. Hi, Adrian. Hey, Nick. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, Adrian. Hi, thanks for having me. Adrian's in the house. <laughs> whoop, whoop. I'm excited to be here. So for those of you who don't know, Adrian's our student ministry director, but she's also a full-time teacher, elementary. Yes. And she's working from the podcast. She has... She brought all of her kids with her. Yeah, all of her kids are <laughs> multitasking uh, on her her check in here. So every once in a while, she's just moving her mouse to make it look yeah. like she's working. So yeah, they're not actually in the room. You are, you are an online teacher. Yes, yes, I teach virtually. Yep, I teach second grade, and then starting soon, I'll be teaching third, fourth, and fifth grade our gifted and talented program. So you're in class right now? No, I taught this morning. Okay. No, I no, I'm not physically teaching. Right There's now. like an AI situation where like you're teaching on like automatically no okay. I, I taught live this morning and my afternoon classes haven't started yet which is why i'm able okay. to be here. i think so what, she just has to be available to yes like i have to be available yes like what are they doing right now what are they supposed to be doing right my, now? my students are doing other things like they have an online school so they have like math assignments reading assignments reading things that they need to be doing but i taught so you're not their only teacher um, I'm their only math and ELA teacher, but they also do get like other stuff, videos and things that they have to watch online. Wow. Can I tell you something I'm pretty jealous about when I hear Adrian talk? It's really endearing because she says my students and, and it's not only just referring to like her mm-hmm. online students, mm-hmm. but also her student ministry students. Yep. And I'm like, I want like a little my something. I like, want yeah. students. It's so sweet. Aww. I love yeah. it. I like that too. They are mine. I've, I've taught for 17 years and um, they like there's ones that went to my baby shower, ones that went to my wedding, ones that now have kids and are married and I still keep in contact with. So it's pretty cool. Technology is cool that way because I'm still able to see and be in contact with a lot of them. So when did you know you wanted to be a teacher? Mm, fifth grade. I had a fifth grade teacher, Miss Bogardis. Mm-hmm. Um, she was phenomenal. I never wanted to do anything else. I did early decision to college to be a teacher. I never once considered anything else. Hmm. That's all I ever wanted to do. You sound like my daughter, Gigi. Yeah. She makes lessons plans and she has a fake class. I used to do that. Really? I used to go to the book fair and buy the teacher's version of the textbook. And like they used to come on a big spiral lesson plan and I would give hmm. my stuffed animals lessons. I never, I never had the, you know, it's interesting that like younger, like I, I never had that thought and I don't remember any of my friends having that thought when they were that young. And I wonder if it's because there's very few male teachers in grade school. Like my son is in sixth grade. He's just, just now getting his first male teacher, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like blowing him away. Hmm. It's just like a different experience, you know, and I'm like, hmm. Hmm. One of my, um, the best guys I ever worked with, I still talked to him yesterday was his birthday. Um, but a guy teacher and phenomenal, hmm. absolutely phenomenal. I didn't have we a single guy grade. teacher until college. Really? Yeah. I was able to get through it. My favorite hmm. high school coach, coach was also our geometry teacher. Yeah. And I like that. That was, he was, he's probably top 
three favorite teachers well, of mine. It takes that teacher that you not only like, but you almost like can identify mm-hmm. with. You know, like I remember there, I had a history, history teacher in middle school that I absolutely loved. And that was the first time I ever considered, hmm, maybe I could do this, you know? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Little so, what tangent. made you say yes to the student ministry opportunity? Um, I remember it's so funny because I'm like, ooh, back when church was vertical and not horizontal. Remember when we were meeting the other way, and you one day in you, the room, oh, in the room, I was like, <laughs> like trying to imagine when we were like on top of each other. What? <laughs> That's weird. Oh my gosh, don't make this awkward. <laughs> Dude, this is this is getting spicy. spicy. <laughs> I've cringed because you got to understand. Adrian's been so nervous about. <laughs> This because of how spicy the book of Ruth is. So she just she just made it spicy. No, I did not. When we were verdant. oh my god, Thomas, Thomas said it. Actually, it should be the other way around. Remember, it's like you had. I remember parents being like, "If you're in the bedroom, you have to be vertical. Oh my god, no horizontal. You don't remember that? My parents never. Saw you, like, you couldn't. Oh you couldn't be on the bed. You couldn't be sitting on the bed together. Mine was, was like, no no purpling. No purpling. No purpling. Because my... like guys are or girls are pink and mm-hmm. boys are blue. Oh. Boys weren't allowed in my, my no bedroom, purpling. so like, yeah, ever. So mm-hmm. like the threshold on my door, they would stop. And so even coming back in college, when they would come to visit, they would stop, like mm-hmm. to respect my dad's rules. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I am shocked threshold. at how I, irate I get at a closed door mm. in our house. I'm like, where did this rage come from? Yeah. I was like, you door open now. Sorry. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Anyways. Oh my gosh. Okay. So anyway, the back when the ch- the other floor plan. Um, and you had mentioned it, just the plans of the church and whatever. And you said that your next step was looking for a student ministry director. Mm-hmm. And like my heart just fluttered. And I'm like, whoa, I'm so not qualified for this. And I was really unhappy at my job at the time mm-hmm. and was really looking for something else. And I knew, um, it couldn't, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just didn't, I really wasn't plugged in at the time. Mm-hmm. It kind of COVID was being crazy and I just kind of let it go. Um, and then I got more plugged in and things happened with my job and I switched jobs mm-hmm. and I prayed hard about it and I really needed it to happen. And it literally came at the most perfect time. Yeah, you, didn't, you never expressed interest to us first. No, you right? came to me and I was yeah. like, holy moly. That's but yeah, I went back. Odd. That's I went, God. <laughs> I went back. I do a, um, I do a grateful journal each morning and like four months before you had asked me, I had written about it in hmm. my journal. Wow. So you do a gratitude journal every yes. day? Um, I try. Wow. It's next to my um, one chair where I have my coffee in the morning where I wake up before Emerson. Hmm. You are who I want with our students. That's discipline oh. right there. Yeah, I try. Yeah. All right. You ready, ready for your rapid fire questions? I am. Okay. <laughs> it's funny because I listen You're to the podcast. You're doing pod- great, Well, it's by funny because I listen to the podcast each week. So I'm like, ooh, if these are the same questions. I might take a couple. <gasps> of some- no, I'm right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I should. Go in oh, different so order. next week we have Nate. Yeah, you should throw like, it up. Oh, yeah. Blood. He's not listening. He's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dad. Yeah. All right. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Absolutely. I have two of them. Wonderful. What is your go-to movie when you need a mood boost? Anything Hallmark Christmas. Mm-hmm. Hallmark year all round, the time. Too. Yeah. Year round. It's on, they're on Fridays every night. But, every so does Friday. that not ruin your Christmas tree? No. My Christmas tree will be up probably in October. It's up in October, stays up to like February. Uh, see, I love Christmas with a fiery passion. I love it. But I love that it's not all the time because I don't think I would love it as much. Yeah. It brings me – like my whole house isn't – but my something about having my tree lit like just in my living room that I just love. Hmm. Oh, it brings me such joy. I agree. Sorry. Hallmark Christmas. Favorite room in your house? 
Um, probably my living room that has like my fireplace. I'm attempting to keep plants alive. Jack came over and was like, nope, you're killing those plants. Get a little light that will add light to them. It's Jack Apple. These aren't going to be rapid fire. <laughs> Sorry. Go. So, rapid fire. Assuming we're not asking Nate these. What is, Thomas, what's your favorite room in the house? Wait, this is a rapid yeah. fire for Adrian. <laughs> yeah, Why no, are I've we... moved on because I'm curious because everyone's kind of had the same answer and mm-hmm. mine is Mine's not. a kitchen. What's yours, Nate? Hmm. Probably our front room. Mine is my bedroom. In my hmm. bed, if, like, I would be there 100% of the time if I didn't have other responsibilities. <laughs> yeah, our bedroom's I not really. My bedroom. Our bedroom is still like when we moved in almost. Plus my office now. So yeah, it's like, that's true. it's right. not really calming. At any rate, uh, do you have a secret talent? I don't. I can roll my tongue like Kara could. Oh. I tried to see if Emerson could do it after that. She can't. You can hoop it up. Uh-huh. You're right. welcome. Right? Yeah. Do you prefer talking on the phone or texting? Talking on the phone. Uh, do you have a favorite podcast besides this one? Besides this one. I am trying to live a minimalist lifestyle. Okay. I've gotten rid of a lot of things in my house lately. It's amazing. So I listen to Maximize Minimalist. Okay. I'm trying to think of what her I name is. Um, I like Rachel Hollis. And then people just send stuff. Like Brent sent one about anxiety to our small group last week that I listened to. I can't think of what it was, but it was great. Um, so I like when people suggest ones. Mm. Um, so yeah. Okay. Minimalism. That's Kathy oh, Cooper's thing too. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm like, I want experiences, not things. And so it's nice to yeah. do that. Strip it down. Yes. Like sure. Ruth. Oh ah! <laughs> <laughs> Sweating. Speaking of Ruth, <laughs> that was transition. awesome. What did we think of Ruth? What did you think of Ruth? Adrian, <sighs> what do you got? I'm sweating now thinking about Ruth. What are you chewing on? What are you still thinking about? What um, did you learn? What did I learn? Um, she was pretty resilient for leaving everything behind and going to a place where she hadn't been before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of I, I kind of felt that way. Um, Emerson and I were over in Myrtle Beach. I was there for 15 years, and mm. I came. Obviously, it was with my family and not a mother-in-law. But I came to be with my family in Lexington. But I knew no one. Didn't have anybody. Mm. COVID hit. It was a disaster. So I kind of felt when you described her of kind of being alone mm. and not knowing a lot of people, maybe not being accepted. I was a single mom mm-hmm. at the time. Um, my daughter's father was, uh, is an African-American man. So that was kind of frowned upon, unfortunately, by some situations. Um, I kind of felt like an outcast. Hmm. And so I kind of felt, um, comparable. I can, I, I can identify. Her. Let me ask, yeah. does that, does that do something for y'all? Is that, is that cathartic? Like when you identify with a character in a story, you know, and then not even in like a prescriptive way, not even when it's like, here's what to do, you know, like, but just having somebody... Like put words to your experience. Doesn't that do something for you? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, doesn't even have to like give you step by step instructions on how to make your situation better. But it's just kind of like yeah. Well, and I think that goes back to what we're kind of talking about last week. Like you really have a desire to find yourself in every story. Mm. You know, like to fit yourself into the story. Like which character do I identify with the most? Mm -hmm. Like I think that's just our nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was reading something somewhere where they said it's like a psychology journal or something. But just the act of somebody putting words describing your trauma or your is such an important part of being able to work through it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not even giving you 
you know, here's what you need to do about it. It's mm-hmm. just describing it and naming it for you uh, has this profound impact on us in terms of being able to kind of move through it in a healthy way. I think that's powerful. Well, so even and a step further is not just hearing someone teach or preach about it, but actually talking to someone mm-hmm. who's gone through a similar thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can empathize with that a lot. Yeah. yeah. I can see how, yeah, you could really, you know, identify with this story. Mm-hmm. Or even just your opening in the beginning when you're talking about anxiety. Like mm-hmm. I battle have battled with anxiety for a long time. And then your picture. Um, and I thought about Emerson. Like mm-hmm. she has gotten me through my darkest days. Yeah. And it's, you know, when you, you think everything is great and then it's not when you see your look around the outside of the picture, but when you come back to that one thing that, that mm-hmm. kind of grounds you and brings oh, it yeah. back. So I have this memory of Rowan laughing. There was like a, one of those real heavy, dark, you know, kind of moments. And I would sit in our front room in this chair, all the lights off. And I could hear him playing in the other room and that laughter, like just kind of like burst, you know, it's pretty cool. Hmm. So what you still think about talking about Ruth? Um, let's see. I, I did find this story likable because it had a, a, a favorable outcome for people who took risks. You know, that's always hmm. nice to read. Yeah. Um, I do think it's interesting. There were at least four storylines, four characters making really difficult decisions. Hmm. And they all like a lot of risk, a lot of fear. So like even the husband, Naomi's husband taking them, mm-hmm. uh, Naomi, Naomi and Ruth going with her, mm-hmm. Boaz himself. I mean, everyone was making big, big yeah. risks, big risk. What am, what am I trying to say? Mm-hmm. Taking, taking big, big risks. There we go. <laughs> Um, and then I was thinking about when Naomi specifically, and even Ruth, when Ruth finally was able to like rest and breathe because Naomi, because Ruth came to take care of her Mm -hmm. and, and Ruth, because Boaz was Mm -hmm. taking care of her situation, just that ability to rest and breathe, Mm -hmm. like truly when you've been like, blessed by someone else's generosity. Mm -hmm. And I loved how you tied it into it being back to people, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that, that's something I feel like we could all take a moment and think about how we can be those people for others. Yeah. Yep. I saw that that word hesed, Mm -hmm. the Hebrew idea of hesed, which is, you know, so central to Jewish identity, theology, understanding of God. I think it shows up like three specific times in the book, like really key moments where it's describing one of the main character's actions. And that's what's unique about the book is it's usually just about God. So, I mean, it's just a cool, like, talk about a formative story for a people, you know, like in a way, these humans in the story are showing us what God's Hesed is like. You know, it's like Boaz picking Ruth when nobody else would. God's like that. Mm-hmm. Like God, God chooses you. But it's also like the opposite side of that. It's um, this is what it looks like when the people of God act like they're God, you know? So it's like instructive mm-hmm. in both directions. Mm-hmm. One, this is God's attitude towards you, and this ought to be your attitude towards each other. It ties it all up. It's brilliant, you know? Yeah. Hmm. It's like these authors are smart. Adrian, something you said made me, made me think about... Um, you know, Nick, when you were tying it into what was going on at the time and the time the story was recirculated and the cultural norms of the time, it was it was being countercultural to a lot of the things going on. It makes you wonder, like, what are we doing nowadays 
that is so countercultural that we could, as Christians, act against and, mm-hmm. and be, mm. what could, how could we be a story of Ruth today? You know, mm. what, what's going on in the world? And when you said interracial marriage or marriage or relationships, man, I would hope we were beyond that. But even, I guess it goes back to simply that too. Mm. And we're not, we're not. Yeah. We're not. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I still get, you know, looks or things because of Emerson and I looking different from each other or mm-hmm. things that people say or do. Yeah. Unfortunately. That is unfortunate. It's the, you know, it's this need for an other, yeah. for, uh, for a Moabite, mm-hmm. you know, that's, uh, it's still, that's a human thing. It's a human condition thing. Um, but it's easy. I think we're, in some ways we've, we've regressed like this idea of tribalism. It just feels more, feels more rampant now than ever. And, and for a long time, you kind of felt like we were moving beyond it. But I think some of the trauma of the last few years has, you know, it's back. And it's with a vengeance. And it's, it's not, I don't, I don't think it's as much around, you know, it used to be a lot more uh, like geographic or I think it's more ideological now. It's like you're not conservative enough. You're not liberal enough. Like uh, it's more tribal around that. And we're, we're looking for somebody to blame. I always yeah. look for somebody to blame. Yeah. You know, it's it's that group's fault. Yeah, real or perceived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've, countercultural looks like a church who, you know, dies to all those ways we identify ourselves against mm-hmm. over above other people, you know, and we don't look at people through that lens first. You know, it's like it's like that story I told at the end um, about my nemesis. You know, it was real easy for me to see that person through the lens of all the reasons why I didn't like them. But like the one thing we had in common, we were both kids once, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, man, when you kind of consider people that way, like you think about them that way, it does something to you, sure. you know? Well, yeah, I think that's how by living in proximity and in relationship to people that are different, think differently, that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, but this doesn't come without cost, you know, mm. living counterculturally. So mm-hmm. has, has your faith ever cost you? Hmm. It's, it's hard for me to say yes like, because I feel so, like, I love where I am right now. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like, uh, I've never loved being a pastor more than I do right now. I feel like, just in a sweet spot, you know, relationships are strong and healthy. Uh, we have a lot, we have security, finance, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But there there were there were a lot of seasons where it didn't feel that way. You know, we weren't there. Um, and yeah, I mean, there are several times you know, we said no to opportunities out of a commitment to something else that looked a little far-fetched, you know, um, like risk. You're talking about Ruth, it was very risky. And I look back on that version of me and they would feel like, yeah, faith's cost me more than it's given me right now, you know. Mm-hmm. But this version of me looks back and is like, it's worth it, mm. you know, it's worth it. I have a question. Uh-oh. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, okay, so I can relate to Naomi also mm-hmm. because when she comes back and talks about being bitter and all of the things that she has gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, too, the things that she has gone through, she really didn't bring on herself. Mm-hmm. You know, her yeah. husband passing away, her son's passing away, all of that. So to feel like, you know, she is angry or bitter or maybe asking God why, but like she didn't really do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like things in my life, you know, um, people that know my story, you know, Emerson, I had a flood that happened and mm-hmm. I've had some, you know, a divorce and different things. And, and I feel my, and I feel bitter mm-hmm. sometimes, but then I'm like, gosh, a lot of those things. And I have to take ownership for some of them, but a lot of those things, I'm like, why am I so bitter when I really didn't do mm-hmm. anything? So I wonder like when she went back, kind of seeing myself and her, mm. when she went back, like, I just wonder why she was thinking these awful things of herself mm-hmm. when it wasn't things that like, she didn't really do wrong. Yeah. Oh, so you're interpreting her bitterness as like a self-contempt. Like- yeah. Or like when she went back to like her whole, you know, like her hometown and like telling people, you know, how mm-hmm. she was feeling or don't call me that or you know yeah. I don't know I guess it could I don't be read that way. I read that towards God because even in the in the passage she's like he's treated me unfairly yeah so this is I don't I don't know that she's beating herself up as much as she's being honest about her feelings towards God okay she's holding God accountable for her situation you know like mm-hmm. and it's just I mean some of the imagery there's powerful and you get into their names um all their names have meanings you know Naomi's name means pleasant her name means and she lives in the house of bread so there's all this like (laughs) there's plenty and all of a sudden then there's not you know like how many people can say that can relate to that Mm -hmm. you know movement in a story it's like man it used to be it was and then boom it blew up so she's i'm not pleasant i'm bitter you know um and she's pointing her finger at god which i think what i love about the bible is that it tells story after story of people doing that because we can we're allowed to you know um, n- there's nowhere in the story she gets reprimanded for that, sure. you know? So you're allowed to, you're allowed to shake your fist. Yeah. Um, I think that makes people feel good too. That mm-hmm. like, you know, whether it's a loved one that passes away or, you know, you didn't get into the college you wanted to, mm-hmm. or so like, it's so knowing that it's okay, you know, to feel hurt or feel, I don't know, yep. disappointed or let down, but knowing that, you know, there's, there's, I know for myself that it's going to be mm-hmm. better and there's a bigger plan and there's bigger mm-hmm. things for that. But in the moment, it's kind of hard sometimes. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the important part. It's like shake your fist, but keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Because it's easy to, it's easy to like overreact to that in two different ways. Either you just continue to smile and act like I'm still, I'm still mm-hmm. pleasant, you know, like everything's <laughs> fine. Or that becomes your, you're an Eeyore after that, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just my life would have been better if this hadn't happened, you know, or mm-hmm. if this would have happened. Um, the beautiful thing about the story is neither one of them could control what happened. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They did not plan for any of that, but you can determine how you're going to respond to it. And they're pretty conniving. There's a lot of hustle, mm-hmm. you know, in the two of them uh, on the other side of all that loss. Yeah. I, I don't know what made me, it must've been some Sunday school or vacation Bible school, Ruth version of of my education but i always under the impression like naomi and ruth were tricking boaz and Mm -hmm. is there any merit or version of that you didn't really yeah i mean on that i get yeah i think there's definitely some manipulation here or you know I, i don't think that means ruth wasn't really into boaz yeah. You know, I think she's overwhelmed by his kindness, obviously, but it's also a different world, mm-hmm. you know, where women weren't afforded, you know, that opportunity to be too picky about, you know what I'm saying? Like, because this, you want to live or not. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would definitely think there's some like cunning here. 
uh, and setting things up, but they're taking advantage of something that's already there and obvious. I think Boaz had shown over and over again how into Ruth he was, you know, whether it was inviting her for lunch in front of everybody, you know, she shouldn't have been able to eat at the table, but she ate at the table. Like he was clearly drooling over her from the beginning. Um, But yeah, I would argue, I mean, that there is, uh, there's a lot of cunning and conniving, Mm -hmm. you know, which are strong words. Mm-hmm. Like they're, those are strong words, probably. I don't know. Here's what comes to mind. They were this calculated. Is, well, it's it's risky. It's bold. It's. I mean, I think about the friends who tear off a roof and lower their friend down to Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus doesn't. How dare you make a? He he like sees that you know and is moved by it, right? I think it's a similar kind of thing here, like. They're not, they're not taking advantage of an older man who has no interest. They can see this guy's interested. They're being bold about it, you know, and it works out well for him. Yeah. So I need to be bold is what I'm hearing. Yeah, you do. Put yourself out there, girl. <laughs> Just stay away from the threshing stop floor. It, stop it. Stop it. Oh, my God. that chapter. Woo-wee. There's a lot of euphemisms and innuendos going on. You told everyone that that's what you were getting into in the podcast. I think oh, you, I think you said it about. It. Go for it. Do we want to? Go for it. I'm just saying, I think you well, mentioned uncovering it. his feet can mean more than one thing. <laughs> As I was sweating, sitting that's next to Karen. That's all. I'll leave it there. But it's, it is kind of interesting that it's like, I mean, it hints at an erotic encounter. It does. Yeah. But I think, I think that's what could have potentially happened. But I think Boaz shows himself to be honorable in this, and he doesn't. Right. He he doesn't go for it, you know. Um, but yeah, it's definitely hinting at that, you know? And I, I, I hate how some people try to like, there's this obsession with purity culture. She wouldn't do that. You know, a hero that's mentioned in the Bible wouldn't do that. Huh? She did. <laughs> like, um, not that you should. I'm not saying like, you know, you should put yourself in situations like that. But just stop trying to take the human out of the, out of the story. Mm-hmm. These are desperate people, you know, they're willing to do desperate things like, yeah, you know, she was very forward in the story. Mm-hmm. Does it, does it bother you? This is the part I was expecting to get a bunch of emails about is when you're pointing out how one book of the Bible, Ruth, sort of challenges and even kind of like undermines Two other books of the Bible, Ezra and Nehemiah. You know, I was expecting more people to be like, wait, what? I don't like that. Um, or at least be uncomfortable with it. And I haven't heard much. I mean, does that make you uncomfortable? No. No, because you explain the context of it all. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I'm just missing what you mean by how um, contradictory they are. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, they're not completely, you know... Ezra and Nehemiah is about way more than just the intermarriage issue. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things, other things in the book, in those both those books, and and they do a lot of really good things for for the nation. But this particular issue, intermarriage, uh, and how it should be, you know, dealt with, these two books are, you know, Ruth and Ezra, especially complete polar opposites. I mean, Ezra ends with a list of 117 names of men who had to divorce their Moabite wives and send their kids away. You know, that's how the book ends. Ruth ends with, you know, a Moabite married to a Israelite and their descendant being King David. 
Like, do you, do you feel that? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I expected more pushback from that and I didn't get it. And that's, maybe that's a good sign. Like, but I know there's a version of me when I was younger where my commitment to the inspiration, believing in the inspiration of the Bible would have been super uncomfortable with that. And I would have probably worked hard to like, try to make those contradictions go away, either explain them away or kind of rationalize them away. And I don't feel that way anymore now. Like I actually think I see the inspiration of scripture in the tension that exists in books like Ezra and Ruth. Mm-hmm. Cause it's not just with them. There's a lot of books mm-hmm. that sort of hold tension with each other. It's like the Bible kind of argues with itself. Yeah. You know, and I, I actually think that to me is evidence of inspiration. Yeah. I mean, I think you do a good job of explaining, mm-hmm. you know, it, but I know, you know, students, a lot of the times will listen to your things and will ask me, mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, let me get back to you. Yeah. Um, just that contradiction mm-hmm. of things, but it's good to know that the, it does contradict it and there is different and it all is up for interpretation mm-hmm. and how, you know, you see things and what things, um, are being said. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's wisdom. And I think, you know, the Bible's out to offer us wisdom, not information. And wisdom isn't Ooh, always... I like that. I need to write that down. Well, it's because like the, <laughs> the wisdom isn't always the same thing. What's wise for one person in one situation is going to be unwise for another person in a totally different situation, you know? Well, um, and that's why that Peter Inns book, How the mm-hmm. Bible Actually Works, is really helpful because it goes into how wis- wisdom and discernment then, yeah. you know, like yeah. once you're... you assess it and then discern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Things can contradict yep. each other. Um, yep. yeah, that, that was right, helpful. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause you know, one I always thought was interesting is there's two different tellings of the history of the Kings in Israel. You've got, is it first and second Samuel and first second Kings? That's the earlier one. And it was written probably right before exile happened and maybe right at the beginning of exile. Then you have Chronicles, which is written much later. It was written, kind of around the same time as like a Ruth. They're coming back from exile. And it's so interesting how the authors paint the kings very differently. So the earlier authors, the kings are horrible and wicked, and it's their fault. You know, this is why we're going into exile, because they they were not faithful. They were crooked. Um, And then the later writings, you know, after exile, are much more compassionate and even paint them in a better light. So here's, here's what's interesting. Think about think about what's the, what's the what's the historical thing about to happen or that has happened? Exile. They have their life has been upended, right? Right at the beginning of that, or, or before that would happen in somebody's life, or maybe right in the early on, what's so important is for people to be to be honest and real about why it happened in the first place. I mean, but let's like let's like personal individualize this. You're talking to a friend who's about to blow up their life, right? What, what how are you going to talk to them? You know. Do you not understand the repercussions of this? Do you not understand how this is going to highly impact? You would be very, you know, if, if you could prevent this, you're going to, you're going to say certain kinds of things, right? Now, let's say you're talking to that version of the, your friend 10 years after it happened. And they think that they're still paying for what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're still living in the memory and the shame of it. What would you say to them then? You know, like, Hey, yeah, your tone changes. Yeah. This would, this doesn't have to define you. You, you, mm-hmm. you can come back from this. Like, God is compassionate and forgiving and you can redeem this, you know? So I think that's the tone in two different stories because they're written to two different groups of people who are in different situations. Mm-hmm. See that, that to me, that's, that smells of inspiration to me. Like this is a word from God to people that's going to do something to them. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That was really nerdy. It was, but I mean, I really think like your goal of making the Old Testament interesting has worked. I mean, mm. I've even went out and bought a book this week about Old Testament oh, cool. <laughs> reading cool. and writing. Like I, I kind of dis discounted the Old Testament. I mm -hmm. still see, saw its value and its purpose, but I did not spend a lot of time studying it oh, or yeah, anything. So as much about it. I mean, hmm. besides, uh, why do you think that is? Um, I think a lot of pastors tend to lean towards the New Testament because it's not as blood and guts. You know, there's not as much. Like, well, I bet it's easier. It is, but you then it was funny. At stuff this, in at this stage Testament. in the game, I actually, I actually feel more comfortable. Well, I, I just like, I like the stories in the Old Testament a lot. They're, I love teaching on stories, you know, they're, and it's easy to find ourselves in them mm -hmm. because they're not, uh, Randy Rush is in our church. You know, he's a former pastor. He's awesome. He talks all the time about how the old, the new Testament can be too squeaky clean for him. You know? He actually likes the <laughs> the humanness of the Old Testament, and I, I can relate to that, you know, um, for sure. I, I'm thinking about this is on a this is pretty practical, I think, because I'm thinking about something you were saying before we even started the show about how uh, what are the words you use? You, you feel like you wish you knew more, yeah, about all this, and you feel kind of unqualified. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like. You like feel like I, you should know more about the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't. I mean, I grew up in church. I grew up Methodist. Um, when I went to college in Myrtle Beach, I went to a wonderful um, non-denominational church that kind of started up like Emmaus. Um, but I've always gone to church and I've heard stories. But I, I don't know. Like I walked into this setting being very mm -hmm. intimidated by the three of you who I think the world of and just mm -hmm. know so much about it. And I feel like when I'm with students, I can you know, give my interpretations or what I'm thinking. But I guess with adults, I'm like, Ugh, mm -hmm. I have no idea. Um, and I liked your point. You, you know, you said, you know, do you know everything when you go to the doctor? Do you know everything when you have to get a car fixed? Do you know everything? And so when you pointed out the amount of time that you studied in Ruth compared mm -hmm. to the amount of time that I did not study in Ruth, mm -hmm. reading from, you know, my child's Bible at home mm -hmm. that we read at night for yep. a five-year-old, um, it's completely different things. So yep. it made me feel a little better to not feel like I have to know all the answers or mm -hmm. even interpret. I mean, when you, it's funny that our two interpretations, even like I felt like Nehemiah or um, not Nehemiah, holy moly, Naomi, like it was the people in the village saying that to her. And mm -hmm. you're like, nope, that was her saying that to God. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Like even just that. So mm -hmm. just, you know, my, my word to people is don't feel like you have to know it all yeah. and don't feel like, you know, it's good to have questions mm -hmm. and it's good you know, I feel like even just sitting here today, listening to all of y'all has just, I don't know, made me learn more and yeah. know more yeah. and, you know, people sending in questions more. Look at that little plug for sending, send us in yeah. questions, send people. Questions, Wasn't man. even planning on that, but do it because yeah. it's, it's great. And I guess I just, I don't know, I, I have this feeling of I don't want to sound stupid or feel stupid mm -hmm. and I don't want to put myself out there. Um, but you're only going to learn more by yep. doing that. So. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, take that pressure off this expectation that you're supposed to know as much about the Bible as like your pastor does, you know, yeah. you don't have that expectation about any other expert in your life. You don't go to the car, you don't go to the mechanic, you know, to get your car fixed and walk away and go, I should have known that, you know, no, like this guy is a mechanic, you know, or this person is a mechanic. I think the same is true as the Bible. The Bible is not an easy book to understand. It's so, it's an old book. It's been translated into different, a different language. You know, it's, it's tricky. It's hard. And the amount of time that we have to spend connecting with a text to be able to be able to teach it faithfully 
most people don't have that kind of time. You know, you got other jobs and responsibilities. So I do think this is just a plug for the need of pastors still. That's why we're here, you know, is to help us faithfully connect to our story and, and live it out. I, I do think we live in a time where you can learn about the Bible easier now than ever. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a wealth of information. Bible Project is a great place to check out, a great thing to check out. But even when you're doing your own devotional, you know, reading, which I hope all of us are making an effort to kind of get into it on our own, a couple of things I would say is like, one, either have a guide, like have somebody help, like the Lectio 365 app. We talk a lot about that. And the reason I love it is because they're going to teach you a little bit about the passage that, that is, is, you know, for that day um, and help you kind of connect with things you might otherwise not have known, you know, but then it's much more prayerful too. And it's, you know, it's more about praying through the text, which I think is super helpful, but don't feel like the whole Bible is good for devotional reading, you know? Mm-hmm. I think stick to places like I think the gospels are always, you know, great, great places to read for Christians, you know, daily, uh, the Psalms pray through those, even the Proverbs. But I think, you know, some of the things don't read revelation on your own, (laughs) you know, like, uh, or Joe, Joe. (laughs) those are two right there. You probably, I just, I want to take that pressure off. I feel I get that from a lot of people. It's like, they feel like they should know what I know about the Bible. I'm like, you didn't go to school you know, as long as I did, you don't spend as many hours a week, you know, studying this stuff because you don't have that time. But yeah, well, and I think it's nice too. you know, that you do always tie it back to us. Like I know one one of my underlying things in my teacher notes, of course, um, was just that um, Ruth was a good investment. Hmm. And so when you said that in the end, you know, it made that just resonated with me that like, you know, she's been through craziness or, you know, that she is a good investment at the Mm -hmm. end of it. And so I think when you take these stories that we might not know a lot about, especially in the Old Testament, and that you're able to just put them in ways that we can relate to and understand and Mm -hmm. walk away with feeling good um, is is nice. So I appreciate that. Yep. She had to believe that about herself to do all that she did, you know? Yeah. Like she had to believe that she was a good investment. She was worthy of love and belonging, you know? Yeah. I don't think she ever, like, she always was very steady, it seemed like. She didn't She didn't show a lot of doubt. Hmm. Did she? Or did I miss it? She doesn't really, I think, what's funny is, I'll be honest, I think the story is actually more about Naomi. Yeah. Uh, it ends with her. Hmm. You know, I think Ruth is a, you don't know, you don't get, you don't get inside her head at all in the story. You get inside of Naomi's head. Like the author lets you in on her, on her thinking. Um, so I actually think we're meant to kind of see it through her eyes, through mm-hmm. Naomi's eyes. Um, Cause Naomi in a lot of ways represents Israel at this point in time. You've had to leave home. It's post exile, right? You've had to leave home. You've been in a foreign land. It's been hard. And now you've come back, you know, and how are you going to come back? Um, so I think it's meant to be read kind of allegorically that way too. But yeah, we don't get into Ruth's head very much. Mm-mm. in the story mm. thomas are you okay over there i'm good i'm just listening <laughs> thomas is here by the I wanna, way i want to give room to to these ladies talking about this this book on ruth mm-hmm. <laughs> i want to hear their perspective you must be sick you must not oh, be no. feeling well <laughs> i just have nothing to say i just like to listen to y'all look at that i have, a, I have another question okay at the end you talked about enemies mm-hmm. and turning your enemies to neighbors and picking someone who is an enemy and praying for them. Mm-hmm. 
what is your advice if a person that you pick in your head, you just have a really hard time praying for them? Pray for them. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> not pick someone Dude. else. <laughs> I mean, I was going pick through the list enemy. in my head like, Ugh, next person. Nope, not ready. Nope. Yeah. I mean, I literally had someone in my head and I said, and I literally in my head said, I'm not ready. And then literally that night I was like, mm-hmm. my hands open at night, prayed for that person. But at in church, I was not ready. That's okay. The, the idea was in, you were incepted. It was inception. The idea was planted. It you was. Did it, you did it later. I did. Yep. And I, I don't think you're, you expect some magical thing to happen right away when you do that. But I could, I you talked about the identifying with the bitterness. You know, I think actions like that, practices like that are what absolve, begin to absolve some of that bitterness, you know? And, and I meant what I said, like, I don't, I don't even know if I pray for this person for them. Right. You know, I'm probably get, I'm probably moving in that direction, but it's more about me. Like, yeah. I don't want to be, I actually found myself in a situation recently where I was even defending this person. And that mm-hmm. was, I heard myself doing it. I'm like, whoa, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause in that moment it was the truth. Like they didn't deserve what was being said about them or whatever. Um, and I'm like, man, Wow, it was, a, it was a pretty cool feeling. I'm not, no longer being controlled. That's what I want. I, I want to be at a place where when their name gets brought up or the thing they did gets brought up, I'm reminded of it. I don't clam up and I don't like spend the next three days spinning my wheels over it. Like mm-hmm. that's that's not freedom, you know? Yeah. And so I think praying for our enemies, people who've hurt us, it is not condoning what they did. It is, it's not, but it's allowing God to rescue us from this blame and uh holding on to it you know like holding on to the thing they did or whatever so even if it's just a one word prayer you know do it yeah and it'll change i love this line somebody once said i don't know that i think this is always true but i think it's profound he said uh we don't we don't we don't think our way into a new way of acting we act our way into a new way of thinking and so in these kind of moments you don't have to want to pray for them, you know? Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen first. You pray for them, you know? You just do it anyway. And then what you'll notice is some of that, those feelings start to go too. Like that begins to change. And I know like many people are thinking, it was like, I don't want those feelings to go away. Mm-hmm. Then there's something you got to sit with. Why don't I? Why don't I want those feelings to go away? Why do I want to hold on to them? Sit with that for a little bit. And be, be really honest about it. You're not punishing them mm-hmm. by holding on to those feelings. So it's something else. You know what I mean? They probably don't even know right. you have those feelings. So why are you holding on to them? I've got some thoughts on that, but I think we should all sit with it, you know? Yeah, I mean, that seems tightly intertwined with forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And how to get to a place of true forgiveness probably does involve praying mm-hmm. for someone. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, pray for your enemies, you know, and it, it says do good to them. Like it's humanizing them, which is what the author of Ruth does with an Israelite other. Mm-hmm. They did not like the Moabites, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't like them at all. And so he tells a story or she tells a story that humanizes one, you know, and that's, that's profound. Mm-hmm. Jesus does the same, there's a similar thing with the parable of the Good Samaritan. He takes... Israel's least favorite group of people and tells a story where they're the hero. 
Because what the kind of rescue God wants to do in us has something to do with that. Is becoming the kind of people who can see good even in your enemy. Whoa. Imagine a world like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, sometimes I have to back out because on a on an individual basis, that sometimes doesn't make any sense. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't make any sense. Where I think about some of the worst people and what they I gotta find good in them, but I'm like, imagine a world where that was normal though. Where it wasn't just you doing it, but where like everybody did that, you know? That'd be a pretty incredible world. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's worth practicing on, a, on an individual level. Um, I'm not sure that makes sense or not, but mm. there you go. Cool. Action steps. Action steps. I have a couple. Yeah. I feel that it would be good to take a moment and inventory the, the pivotal moments, the turning points in your life where bitterness turned to hope. Because I think we often dwell on what didn't work out and didn't turn out the way you wanted. And we don't give enough time thinking about even the little moments that maybe did or mm-hmm. bigger moments. And it might not be a distinct moment, but you might realize mm-hmm. over time, yeah, yeah, I am not as bitter as mm-hmm. I was. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Like we said, we were talking before the show about how, you know, you look at Naomi in chapter four and look at her in mm-hmm. chapter one. It's like, you've got to let our chapter four Naomi mm-hmm. talk to our chapter one. You know, that yeah. there's a future version of us that's going to look back on these moments and go, you know, be gracious. There's still good. There's good coming mm-hmm. your way, right? Because you can look back on a former version of yourself and say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like I think back to the version of me that went through the first breakup I ever went through and what, how, what I felt about myself and life mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, bruh. <laughs> like, like bruh it gets well, there, way better you know what I mean? there's an inventory moment for you yeah. for when bitterness turned to hope yeah <laughs> we, all, we all can do that you know i just think the story has an overwhelmingly positive vibe you know mm. so i just would think mm-hmm. let's stay in a positive mm-hmm. mindset and yeah, inventory i enjoyed that. it it was happy ending it was a yep. very hallmark christmas at the christmas tree it is ending. it's a very hallmark let's story. put our trees up Yep. I'm surprised they haven't made a movie out of it. Yeah, I think they would. I know. Y'all don't uh, tempt me with a good time. There's very little conflict. I think it's I Pretty Woman. <laughs> might be, yeah, it might be. Is it a Pretty Woman? It kind of is. <laughs> oh. But who is her? There's a Ruth in that story, but we don't have a Naomi. Well, I guess her friend. The friend? Her prostitute friend. Wow. It is Pretty Woman. Oh, wow, Thomas. What a way woman. to come through in the clutch. I'm here. You're here. He's here. <laughs> he the very end. So he delivers. Factually, like, well, it's Pretty Woman. <laughs> Obviously, guys. Yeah. So here's action steps. Read your Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, there you go. Pray for your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Learn about the Bible. Talk to your chapter four, Ruth. There you go. Okay. Some action steps. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Adrian, you want to pray for us? I would love to. <sighs> Heavenly Father, um, thank you so much for bringing me to this table with these wonderful people today. Um, it has opened my eyes that it is okay to not know all of the answers um, and to continue to ask questions and continue to um, dig deeper into my faith. I um, ask you to, oh, sorry, Thomas. <laughs> I um, at, just ask you that as we go forward in this week, that we continue to do your good work. Um, and that you are continuing to look through and over all of us. In your loving name we pray, amen. Amen. Amen.